Proverbs chapter 10. You know, the book of Proverbs is largely a book of little couplets uh, that either contrast the first part of it to the second part or comparisons or contrasts. We're going to look at a contrast. One of the common contrasts in the book of Proverbs has to do with the contrast between wickedness and righteousness. Wickedness and righteousness. So the verse we're going to deal with today is verse 25. Proverbs 10.25 When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more. But the righteous has an everlasting foundation. I believe the King James says the righteous is an everlasting foundation, which gives a little different meaning, but you're not going to the righteous isn't going to be an everlasting foundation unless he has an everlasting foundation. So we'll go with uh, the way the uh, New American Standard translates this verse. The righteous has an everlasting foundation. The Christian has built his or her life upon certain foundations that will stand the test of time. The wicked, on the other hand, lacks these foundations, and when the whirlwind passes, they are no more. You might say they are gone with the wind. Often this reality is played out in the world around us, even as we observe things, something in the news, some wickedness is here for a while and then gone, some person, some event. But not always. Sometimes the wicked, it seems like the wicked prospers. But I want to take this verse in its ultimate meaning, I believe. Ultimately, this verse will prove to be true for every person that's ever lived. In the day of God's wrath and righteous judgment, this verse will stand out clearly. When the, wicked, when the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. The prophet Jeremiah uses this imagery of the whirlwind in relation to God's wrath. Listen to this verse. This is in Jeremiah 23:19. Behold, the storm of the Lord has gone forth in wrath, even a whirling tempest. It will swirl down on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not be turned back until he has performed and carried out the purposes of his heart. In the last days, you will clearly understand it. You may not see it right now, but this verse is going to be true for every person. But it's not just, I don't want to just emphasize the the, uh, wicked part, the part that deals with the wicked person, because the righteous has an everlasting foundation, and that's really what we want to spend most of our time on here today. Just as the foundation of a building is essential for a lasting structure, you've got to have a firm, solid, good foundation. Um, So there are foundational truths and realities that are essential in the Christian life. Things that all else in life rests upon. If these realities are lacking, 
whatever we build our life on, whatever we stake our life on, in the end will not stand. But if we build upon God's foundation, we will have something that will last through time and eternity. So let's start with the most basic foundation, which is Christ himself. All other aspects of our foundation are derived from him. I didn't know whether to call this message our everlasting foundation or our everlasting foundations. So uh, we'll just, I'll be switching back and forth here between foundations and foundation. But the point is, is that there's one essential foundation and the other things that are spoken of as foundational are derived from this one essential foundation, which is Christ himself. This is what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3:11. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. The foundation of all, every aspect of our Christian life is Christ Jesus himself. The prophet Isaiah spoke of this foundation 700 years before Paul wrote that. What, what, what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, Isaiah said 700 years earlier, and this, this is how he put it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firm, firmly placed. He who believes will not be disappointed. Now that verse is, was something that the New Testament church latched upon to realizing this applies to Christ, clearly applies to Christ. And so three times in the New Testament, uh, this, ver- this verse from Isaiah is quoted. It's in Romans 9.33, Romans 10.11, and 1 Peter 2.6. So let's, let's turn to the last one there, 1 Peter 2.6. Talking about our foundation. Actually, why don't we begin reading with verse 4. And coming to him, coming to Christ, as to a living stone, rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. So the picture here is of a house being built. Of course, that's the church. house being built, and it's built upon this foundation of Christ. Those who, he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. So faith in Christ, faith in this foundational uh, reality of life, uh, is what God has for the believer is what the church is all about putting their faith in this foundation that God has provided many people think they have some kind of foundation for their life apart from Christ people are walking around thinking they have some type of thing to base their life upon 
perhaps it's some type of self-righteousness that they think will recommend them to God. Or they may see no need for any particular righteousness since they don't think they're going to stand before God. Uh, Or they they don't believe that there is going to be a day of judgment. Their foundation may be of some false philosophy uh, like atheism or agnosticism but all these self-righteous attitudes all these false philosophies all these false hopes will be destroyed when they stand before God if you do not have the righteousness of Christ in that day Think of, a, think of a tornado going through and devastating a city. Well, it's going to be much worse than that on the day of God's righteous judgment. When the whirlwind of wrath comes, those who are outside of Christ will be no more, as the verse tells us. The things they have built their life upon will not stand in the end. But Christ is a tested stone, a costly cornerstone, firmly placed. He's the cornerstone of all that God is doing in this life and in the age to come. He's the Christian's sure foundation. He's been tested and tried, proven solid throughout the centuries. Twenty-one centuries of bitter attacks from an unbelieving world have not destroyed this foundation. (coughs) Thousands upon thousands of changed lives show the reality of this sure foundation. Alexander McLaren, preacher of 150 years ago, said this. He said, One proves the foundation by building upon it. This stone has borne all the weight that the world has laid upon it and borne it up. Did any man ever come to Christ with a sorrow that he could not comfort, with a sin that he could not forgive, with a soul that he could not save? He's a foundation of man's right relationship with God. No man can lay a foundation other than this one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He's our everlasting foundation. The righteous have an everlasting foundation. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, Since the time of Christ, there's been 21 centuries. I don't know if there's going to be more centuries or not, but if there are, there's not going to be any different foundation. And Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's the most basic thing we should understand about this foundation that the righteous have. But the New Testament speaks of some other aspects of our foundation in Christ. For instance, Ephesians 2, 19-22 says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. There's that idea of the house again, something that's been built. It's talking about the church. You're of God's household. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, 
in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So, a little different aspect of this foundation that we have in Christ, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the, the cornerstone. God's dwelling place here on earth is his people, and their lives are built upon the teachings of the apostles and prophets. Christ is the cornerstone of the church, but what it means to believe in Christ is filled out for us in the scriptures. So this is just another way of looking at this foundation of Christ, but how do we understand what what this is all about? Well, we understand what it's all about because we have the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We must come to the inspired writings of the Old and New Testament over and over again as our solid reference point, a solid place to stand in the midst of an ever-changing uh, world, ever-changing philosophies and precepts of people. In Scripture, we have a sure foundation, first, first of all, for morality. What's right? What's wrong? Well, ask this person. No, ask that person. No, go to the apostles and prophets. They'll tell you. We have an absolute standard of right and wrong, not the fluctuating opinions and sociological laws of this world. In the scriptures, we have a sure foundation also for knowledge and meaning and purpose. How does a finite individual know that he knows anything for sure? Well, we have a book that was given to us from an infinite God an infinite, all-knowing God. If he's told us something, it's right. Don't have to ask the guy next to you who may be wrong about what he tells you. Go to God, see what he says. Well, the apostles and prophets, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Um, what's the origin and destiny of mankind? Again, you can get a lot of answers by asking people, but what's God say? We have the apostles and prophets to tell us what the origin of mankind is and the destiny of mankind. How can a person be right with God? A lot of different opinions on that. But we have the words of Christ's apostles and prophets to, to look to. If we desire to build our life on an everlasting foundation, we must build upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. So we're talking about our foundation or our foundations. What does this mean um, in terms of each one of us here today? It means more than just that we read these things in the scriptures or listen to a message. It means we obey these things. We walk in what we read and what we hear. This is what Jesus emphasized at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Just another way of seeing the importance of the foundation that we have in Christ. Matthew chapter 7 and beginning with verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. 
talking again about building a house. This says, built upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and burst against that house. There's that whirlwind, you see. And yet it did not fall, because it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who has built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. What's the difference between these two people? Well, one hears and acts upon the word. The other hears and does not. The whirlwind comes against both of them, but the one stands and the other doesn't. It has to do with obedience. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more. We must act upon what we hear or we will not be building on the foundation that he's given. I like the way Amy Carmichael put it in one of her poems, and the name of this poem is Foundations. It starts out this way. Set our foundations on the holy hills, our city found firm on the bedrock of truth, our wills settle and ground, cause us to stand to our own conscience clear, cause us to be the thing that we appear. So he's talking about this, this foundation of truth, the apostles and prophets, but he's all, she's also talking about the fact that we, we need to stand to our own conscience clear. We need to walk in these things we hear, these things we read, cause us to be the thing that we appear. If we will take God's word and act upon it, we will have a foundation that will not be shaken, an everlasting foundation. As Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. I mean, all this around us is going to pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You take God's word and act upon it, you'll have a foundation. When everything else goes under, you're still there because of the foundation that you have. Another foundational reality is found in 2 Timothy 2.19. Why don't we turn to that? 2 Timothy 2.19. The situation here, Paul is talking about some who have fallen away from the faith. A person named Hymenaeus, another named Philetus. They'd gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection had already taken place and thus upset the faith of some. But then Paul says this, Nevertheless, you know, you see some people falling away. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. So he's talking about a firm foundation, a firm foundation of God. So the question is, what, what is this firm foundation of God? Well, if you read different commentaries, you might get a few different thoughts on this. But I think, really, the most basic way of understanding this is that this firm foundation of God has to do with God himself. The loving character of God himself. 
specifically his eternal purpose to save a people through Christ and his personal revelation of Christ to them. The loving character of God to save a people in Christ. That's a firm foundation. And then that becomes a reality as God reveals himself to that person that he's purposed to save from all eternity. God has planned from eternity a salvation which involves a personal spiritual revelation of himself to individuals known to him from eternity. So you see people falling away. You see others that uh, seem to go, be going off track. Though some believers seem to fall away, this does not shake the firm foundation of God. He knows in a special, intimate, loving way those who are his and he has revealed himself to them in Christ so that they know and love him in, that, in a similar loving, intimate way. Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. We're talking about a foundational thing here. We're talking about what God has planned to do from eternity in his love, revealing himself to people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. I know my own and my own know me. True believers have seen something of the reality of God in Christ and what he's done for them and nothing can take that from them. God has shown in their hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's a firm foundation Have you seen something of the glory of Christ, of the wonder of what he's done for you? I really think that this is what Jesus was talking to Peter about in Matthew 16. Let's turn to that, Matthew 16. And verse 15. Uh, the context here is Jesus was talking to his disciples. Who do people say that I? Who who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they were saying, "Well, we heard this, and we heard that, and we heard this." Uh, and then Jesus said, "But who do you say that I am?" And then let's pick up with reading in verse thir- thir- uh, sixteen. And Simon Peter answered and said, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Uh, there's a solid answer to the question. How did he get such a solid answer? Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overpower it. You're blessed, Peter, because my Father has revealed to you who I am. You know me. Not only that, I know you. And upon that rock of special, intimate revelation to my followers, I'm going to build my church. We're talking about a foundation. Again, we're talking about how the church is built. It's built upon this foundation of this revelation of Christ to God's people. 
a personal revelation of Christ is foundational to the Christian life. So we're talking about this everlasting foundation. Lastly, I would mention one other way of picturing this everlasting foundation, which is ours in Christ. The city of the living God, which is mentioned in the book of Hebrews. The city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. If you look around the world and read through history books, you see that people have built great cities. There's great countries that have been on the scene for a while, great kingdoms. Many of these man-made jurisdictions have disappeared already, and one day they all will be brought down, including the USA. They have no everlasting foundation. But when God builds something, he builds it to last. We're looking forward to and living for and have already begun to live in a city with eternal foundations. This world is not our home. We're strangers and pilgrims here on earth. Our ultimate allegiance does not belong to any earthly country, kingdom, or realm. Someday, all around us, all these countries and kingdoms and great cities uh, are going to perish. But what God has built what God has made will last forever. We have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. I might add, you know, they talk about Rome being the eternal city. I've seen some people talk about Jerusalem being the eternal city. No, the eternal city is the heavenly Jerusalem. Although we still live on this earth, we are actually right now alive in another realm. And in that realm, when all else fails, when all else falls apart, we'll still be part of that. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, it has foundations, you see, it can't be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. If we have this foundation, our lives will be praising God for the foundation that he's given us. Uh, when, when we start seeing things fall apart, we have something that's eternal in the heavens, something that will never pass away. So, let me conclude by just saying we ought to it says, serving God with reverence and all. We ought to be able to praise God every day, all the time, for this everlasting foundation that he's given us. First of all, for Christ Jesus, the cornerstone of all that God does. And then also for the writings of the apostles and prophets that tell us of Christ. We ought to be praising God for his loving, eternal purpose to save a people by revealing himself to them and revealing himself to us if we've had something of that revelation, we ought to be thanking God every day for this foundational reality that is applied to our hearts. And we ought to be thanking God and praising God for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker 
is God. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more. But the righteous has an everlasting foundation. So the question for each one of us here today, do I have that foundation in my life? What is the foundation of my life? Is it Christ? Are you standing upon Christ? Is it the apostles and prophets who tell us about Christ and tell us all that we need to know concerning life and godliness? Do I have something of that reality of the the revelation of Christ, the glory of Christ in my own heart, in my own life? Am I putting my stock in the cities and things of this world, or or am I looking for that city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God? Well, I thought we could close by singing that hymn, On Christ the Solid Rock, I stand clothed in his righteousness alone. This is the righteousness we know. The righteous has an everlasting foundation. That righteousness we're talking about is the righteousness of Christ. So, on Christ the solid rock, I stand.